Hey, get your hands off that. I was just moving it. I wasn't going to drink it. Bet your little booty you wouldn't. You want a beer, you get your own beer. This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. It's team time. Partner Golf, this is the Zurich Classic DFS preview show, and the cut line is going to deliver one that is inspiring, a show that insists it demands your uninterrupted, undivided attention. This is the show that will undoubtedly bring you some of the most interesting and tantalizing breakdowns in the industry. I don't know, it's not easy. I got no respect the day I was born. Really? No respect. The doctor picked me up and smacked me? I found out the nurse, you got a few in two. <laughs> hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, Australia. Hello, UK. What's happening, Zurich? Hello, Germany. Figure out your stuff, Wisconsin. The cheese state continues to fall just behind, just behind the cut line. No matter what I do, I beat Wisconsin. I got that going for me. Did we just roast Wisconsin? Damn right we did. And on a serious note. You have to fill out a form just to throw something in the garbage? That sucks. Beavis, you're a stupid dumbass. Ass clown. Dumbass, you dumbass. You're a dumbass. Such a dumbass. You were a colossal asshat. Oh, no, I beg to differ. If you're going to reach out to me, if you are going to reach out to me in my DMs on Twitter, you're going to spend the time to reach out to the host of the call. And you have the audacity to sport a different brand in your DraftKings avatar? I can bring a lot to dumbass. What the hell are you thinking? I'm a go-getter. Dumbass material all the Did way. you think I was going to notice? So, be better, people. Be better. Go to CutlineGolf.com. Go to the tournament model. Go to rep the brand. Take the kielbasa model. I don't care what you use. Use the DeChambeau Drive Cutline. Tin Cup. Caddyshack. Happy Gilmore. It's all there. Use it. It's supposed to be funny. Am I going to give you something for repping the brand? Hell no. Have fun with it. Send me some. If I like them, I'll put them up there. I'll put that shit up there. All right. I'm Mike Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter, host of the Cutline podcast and the deliverer of the top plays. And of course, the belief that some of the best damn analysis comes on CutlineGolf.com, which is free, daily, updated, daily for every tournament. Speaking of tournaments, let's go to the good, bad, the ugly from the RBC Heritage. First of all, the good. Three of the four core four with Fitzpatrick, Grillo, and Max Homa all cash and big. Of course, two of those top ten guys. So, the bad. Two of them. Sergio Garcia imploded in round two. 
Went into that round two under, looked like he was going to solid to make the cut, imploded, hit the water on, I think, like four or five holes, a few double bogeys. It was just done. Ruined the perfection in the core four. Whatever, we'll move on. We'll let Sergio go on this one. But the ugly. Oh, well, actually, one more bad. Stuart Sink. I didn't have him. I didn't have any lineups, and the guy just dominated. He dominated from round one to round four. And you very rarely see that on a tournament weekend. But still, it was good to see. I'm happy for Sink. Happy that he'll be locking his card into the Masters next year. It's awesome. Good job, Stuart. The ugly, though. 26% 6 of 6. Come on, man. You're ruining people's weekends with that. You had to have the perfect lineup with that 6 and 6, but that's what happened when the chalk hits. I hate it. That was the ugly. Now, the cut line is here to bring you an in-depth analysis of the Zurich Classic. We're going to do the best we can. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? To make sure that you're cashing big on Sunday. In addition, we'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside satin traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And the goal of the cut line is to make sure that you're creating the best lineups, winning lineups, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names and scoring big with everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line. And yes, there is a cut line this weekend. Don't get fooled by the team game. There is a cut line. But if you need leverage, Wednesday night, ownership leverage. I know I'm going to be checking out Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com. And even with my own personal ownership, I'm going to acknowledge that a second opinion is incredibly important. The guys I trust, Fanshare Sports. Why? Because I'm the guy who does the ownership at Fanshare Sports. 0.91 last week, RSQ. That's unheard of. This is like four weeks in a row. We're in 0.9 territory. Again, the record, 0.96. I did it one time. I'm going to 0.96 one time. Just got to beat that. Anyways, simple fix. Go to Fanshare Sports, FanshareSports.com, and the discount option, write the word cut line, and you'll receive 20% off your monthly membership. Remember, ownership is not a leverage to be belittled. Now, of course, we got to give a shout-out to PGA Tour and Fantasy National. You want to build better, stronger lineups. My process starts with these two sources and gives me a huge leg up when compared to the rest of the industry. Are your lineups in the gutter? It's probably because you're not using PGA Tour. It's probably because you're not using Fantasy National. And it's most definitely because you're not using Fanshare Sports. All three are elite research PGA communities. Utilize them. Get them. Let's go. Your lineups are ending up at the wrong end of the flagstick. So do yourself a favor and subscribe very easy fix this week the pga tour heads down to louisiana at the tpc louisiana for the zurich classic and this is team golf at its finest and we're going to break it down so to be frank i'm excited to see this alternative championship format as the players will be hosting its first and only team event of the pga tour season the location is the wonderful TBC, Louisiana, as aforementioned, just outside New Orleans in Avondale, Louisiana. And the team event began three years ago in 2017 and has since been one of the more different and entertaining tournaments on tour because its format is just so contrasting to like what is traditionally seen. It's not going to change anytime soon because the players love it. They love the change of pace. They love the configuration of the entire tournament. So it's not going anywhere. 
Thursday and Saturday, the rounds will be best ball format, while Friday and Sunday will be your standard alternate shot style of play. DraftKings scoring is going to be standard, but one caveat. You are only allowed to draft one player from each group. Now, that being said, you're only going to receive that score. I have not tried physically building any lineups yet in the DraftKings. That'll happen on Wednesday, but I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to roster guys from the same group. If you do, it is not going to create additional points for you. So don't try to double the system, you Palmer Rom lovers. Okay. Again, the golfers will be challenged by a Pete Dye design in his typical undulated fairways, smaller greens, hazards, plenty of collection areas, and always the fun drivable poor fours. The course itself is littered with cypress and oak trees, and utilizing the natural terrain of the area provides plenty of water hazards that the pros have to manage. Still, we're looking at alternating shots between the golfers, and don't be surprised if you notice incredibly low scoring at the end of the day. This course specifically has often found itself as one of the easiest on PGA Tour and expect this week to be no different. Of course, like I mentioned before, DraftKings will have scoring for the first time at this event ever. Anticipate similar scoring rules. A few exceptions, again, the one player from each group. That's the one thing that you got to pay attention to. And of course, you're getting the best score of those tandems, those duos. Keep an eye out for pricing you might see some interesting price discrepancies based on the teams and the price and value you are getting that player at it's quite interesting honestly when looking at it and of course they're all listed at the same price in terms of their pairing so it makes it very 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 easy pete die course bermuda grass greens 7400 yards par 72 Five water hazards on seven holes, but it's more than that because they have collection areas full of like swamplands, natural marshlands. There's water everywhere. And then, of course, 100 bunkers on this course. I am looking at scoring, 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 approach, ball striking, tee to green, and scoring. Those are the key plays and pivots for me. But... This week's show is going to be a tad different than what we normally deliver. There will be no can't do it. There will be no MG. But what there will be is our brand new section, the dance floor. Here we go. This is the dance floor where the cut line breaks down build strategies, ideas for the slate, and how we feel that the rest of the field, the numbskulls not listening to this show, will build their lineups. Look, this week is interesting. DraftKings has never done pricing and scoring for the Zurich Classic. Here is how I am going to attack the slate. I'm going to leave major money on the table anytime I can. And the reason and rationale for this is I want to diversify my lineups as much as I can. We're not using a lot of strokes gain data here. We're not discovering hidden gems because of the fact that they're playing team golf. Because of that, like you're not going to see consistent approach game shots, right? They're going to be alternating on Friday and Sunday, if they make the cut, if they get to the top five, 
first place, whatever the case may be. So be conscientious of that. Don't fall in love with all that strokes gain data. Don't fall in love necessarily with names because guess what? Those big pairings, those big names, they're going to get chalky. I don't know how popular this DraftKings slate is going to be amongst the masses of PGA fans. I feel like it'll be a little bit less. So you need to get different and fade the chalk hard. How do you want to figure out chalk? Go to Fanshare Sports, FanshareStorts.com. Figure out the top on plays. Obviously fade them. I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now that Billy Horschel and his partner, Sam Burns, are going to be incredibly popular. It only makes sense to not play them. If they are getting up to 30% in a two-man group, in a smaller field when only the top 35 make the cut, no, thank you. Not going to play them. Leave money on the table. Leave 1000 on the table, 2000 on the table, 4000 on the table. You'll be surprised at the lineups you can build. Now, last piece of advice. If you're doing a 3 max, if you're doing a 20 max, whatever the case may be. If you're doing 3 maxes, I would suggest doing two different 3 maxes. Whether you're going to do Mayo's 3 max or you're going to do um, you know, just the $8 3 max. Do your first core. Get it done. But in your second one, get completely different. You'll be surprised at the results. I think you'll be quite happy with the results. Leave money on the table. Dominate this weekend. That's the dance floor. That's the rules of the road for this coming tournament. But the question is, what duos, what groups do we want to play this weekend? These two putts from victory. Only needs one. Got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Cut Lines Birdie or Better segment where we will go over our favorite groups for the Zurich Classic. And guess what? There aren't a ton as we break it down. Normally we go by pricing tiers, but we're just not going to do that this time. We're going to look at each duo and why we want to play them. We kind of touched upon who we don't want to play. I have no interest in Rahman Palmer. I have no interest in Horschel and Burns, and I have no interest in Xander and Cantlay. I get it if you want to go that route. It makes perfect sense, especially with all the upside that's there. But the fact is, I think Horschel and Burns are just going to be too highly owned. I think Rahman Palmer defending champs, they're going to be too highly owned. And Patrick Cantlay's game recently has been terrible. Not that he can't figure it out in this structure. That's not the point, but at $11,700. If their ownership gets high, yeah, don't play it. If they're in the single digits, buy it. Buy, 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 buy. I, I could see Cantley figuring out at some point. He's too good not to. So, But we are going to go straight into our favorite plays, and it's going to start with Morikawa and Matt Wolf. I don't normally love Matt Wolf. I don't. But I feel like these two complement each other somewhat well. And here's my thing. Morikawa is going to play Solid on approach, solid off the tee, and solid in scoring. Matt Wolf, when he gets his game together, is solid in scoring, but where he excels sometimes is with the short stick, the putter. Disqualified from the Masters, right? Turning in the wrong scorecard because he was so pissed off at his round and how bad he played. I think it was intentional. I really do. Long story short, I like the upside here for these two, especially 11,300. I think the ownership goes to other players around them. 
Like, it's going to go down to Horschel and Burns. It's going to go up to Rahm and Palmer. Will Cam Smith and Leishman get some love? Uh, probably. Will Bubba Smith and Scheffler get some love? There's names that are together that, yeah. I just think those names kind of are contrasting of each other. The thing with, like, Cam Smith and Leishman, right? Um, you don't have the scoring that you'd like to see, like from Leishman specifically. I don't think that works with Cam Smith. I think Leishman being priced with Cam Smith is it's it's not kind of that fair pricing range. Bubba Bubba Watson, Scotty Scheffler, very similar players. Both would have to get hot. I I just don't know what's going to happen. But we're going to go down to Tony Finau and Cameron Champ as my next duo at ten thousand seven hundred. My overall stat model, both rank in the top thirty. In the confidence ranking, both rank in the top twenty. Finau ranks actually top five. And here's the thing. Finau, historically a great putter. Cameron Champ, okay, but has been better recently. Um, kind of middle of the road in terms of approach, and, and you don't need to excel here like crazy off the fairway and off the tee. I think it'll be interesting to see these two. I think they're going to come in in low ownership unless Finau's name does sell, but I really think that everyone goes down to 10-5, Billy Horschel and Sam Burns, to where their ownership is incredibly elevated. So I'm not going to buy here the Horschel Burns. I've talked about that. I would rather pay up for Finau Champ. I think you get some good leverage here to the field. Next play, Max Homa and Taylor Gooch. Both these guys, I think, are going to gain some steam going into Thursday. Um, They fit great in my aggregate model, great in my overall stat model, solid in terms of how they play. They're both solid off the tee, solid in approach, decent putters. Can complement each other well, but the thing is they're the scoring, right? If you want to start with them and work your way down, I think that's a great way to differentiate your lineups and create just cost-effective measures to draft players that's going to leave money on the table and make your lineups incredibly different. Remember, you're only drafting one of them, Homa or Gooch. It doesn't matter. You're going to get the same score. But the point is that like their upside is immense. I love Max Homa. I love Gooch's game recently. I think they're most definitely viable plays. Going down next to 9,600, Brandon Grace in HV3. Varner has been iffy, but guess what? Finished in second place last weekend at the RBC Heritage. Is he turning it around? I damn sure hope so, because him and Brandon Grace together, I think could dominate this tournament. Now, currently, I haven't projected in the top 30, which is pretty good. The problem is HV3 his recent form, of course, because of last week with the RBC Heritage finish, has looked pretty good. But before that, he only missed the cut at the Valero. 19th at the Honda, 61st at the Players. We know how volatile the players can get, so I don't mind it that much. Both are decent in approach. Obviously, Varner the third, the way better approach player. But where Grace can come in is recently his putting. His putting has looked pretty decent as he ranks in the top 20 in the last 12 rounds. Um... Lastly, historically, both have been pretty decent at scoring. They rank top 40 in the field. And then in my overall stat model, both rank in the top 50 with HV3 way ahead at 23rd place. The next two is right under them at Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson. Now you're saying, what? Henrik Stenson? Guy's been awful at golf. Don't get me wrong. I agree with you. But we saw Justin Rose revitalized at the Masters. Looking at Stenson specifically at the Masters... 38th place. These guys are sneaky good. And no one's going to play them because they're going to see Stenson's recent stat form. They're going to see his long-term stat form. And they're going to be like, no, thank you. 
I don't want to play here. But guess what? On very easy courses, Stenson ranks top 10 in my projections. Top 10 in my projections. This is right up his alley. Him and Rose could dominate this tournament, this format. Most definitely going to buy Rose and Stenson. I think their ownership could be elevated, but I'm hoping not. I'm hoping people look at Stenson and say, no, I don't want a piece of that. I get it. Rose looked good, looked great. But here's the thing. If their ownership goes crazy, then you just can't play him. You just can't play him. Like I, I think it's one of those weekends where you just need to really make some steadfast, hard rules. And one of them for me is if guys get way too chalky, I'm going to fade them. All right. So moving down, we are going to Keegan Bradley and Brandon Steele at 9,300. I think, uh, again, similar. We've seen some decent recent form from these two. Specifically with Keegan, a 23rd at the Valero, 30th at the Honda, and then 29th at the Players. Uh, Brendan Steele has made three straight cuts as well as he finished 77th at the Valero, but third at the Honda. So we see some decent play. Both have course history here. Back when this was a regular tournament, Keegan finished 8th in 2014. And of course, we've seen Steele finish 32nd and 52nd in 2013 and 2014 respectively. Okay, So most definitely uh, options. Oh, going back to Rose. Rose dominates this course. First in 2015, 8th in 2014, 15th in 2013, and 10th in 2012. Forgot to mention that. My fault. But going back to Bradley and Steele, Bradley obviously solid off the tee, decent and successful in approach, great score. Steele, an amazing putter. If his putter gets hot, Bradley's putter gets hot. Both get solid with their irons and laser irons. This is an easy course. I'm going to love it. So in terms of my overall stat model, Bradley fits in the top 10, top 10 in the aggregate, top 12 in the confidence. Steele, top 35 in the confidence. So both viable candidates here at roster this weekend, going down to 9,200 and 9,100. Peters, Lewis, M, and Benny on. I think, guys, these are all viable plays. For some reason, Benny on is not going to get the love here. This is an easy course, smaller greens. He's playing with his partner, Sung JM, who's got laser dart irons. Viable options right there. So going down to 8,000, I'm going back to Lucas Glove and Glover. And I'm going to Chessie, and I hate to say it because I don't like playing Reeby, but he really kind of is popping here in my model. And the confidence model both rank in the top 30. Aggregate model, top 64 for Chess, but that's okay. And the reason is his putting is terrible, his scoring is terrible, but his approach play is elite, and his off-the-tee game is phenomenal. But with Chess, in 2016 to 2012, never made a cut. It was four straight miscuts. So he's a risky play, and it's a risky grouping. But so what? It's a new year. Take a shot, right? Take a shot. Next options, Charlie Hoffman and Nick Watney. Hoffman and Watney are looking at higher ownership, and the reason being that Hoffman's look really good lately, right? Contrastingly, Nick Watney hasn't. Miscut, 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 right? So where do you draw the line? This is a team event. Nick Watney is a very, very poor golfer. But when you combine their efforts, I think there's upside here. I think there's ownership leverage here. If people are going to play Charlie Hoffman thinking that he's enough to get Watney over the hump, fine. I'll eat some of that chalk. But 14%, 15% is not going to deter me away from that. Now, Going on to Coke Rack and Pat Perez. 
Kokrak is a top 35 player in the official world golf rankings. I'll take that. Pat Perez is solid at nothing. But decent enough to play with Jason Kokrak. Here's the thing. The putting is where Pat Perez could provide some value. And remember, you're alternating shots. You're trying to score. And Kokrak hasn't historically been the best putter. So there is some leverage there. The aggregate value of the both. Pat Perez just sinks Kokrak's value. And that's why I think it's a good pivot and leverage play. And that I will kind of consider them if I can leave enough salary on the table. Going down to Doug Gim and Suh. Justin Suh. The Gim, the mental midget. Breaks down on Saturday and Sunday. Just can't figure it out. But my overall stat model, number 12. Hard to ignore that. Aggregate model, number 19. Confidence model, number 19, while Suh is 43rd. Hard to ignore the fact that both are great in approach, great at scoring, especially recently. Suh, 5th in his last 12 rounds, 11th in the last 24 rounds. Um, granted, though, we haven't seen him since Corrales. So, I mean, it's kind of a moot point being that we haven't seen him in so long. But still, viable candidates. Did not play here when it was just a singles tournament event. But still, I have my interest. Now my favorite, 8,000, where many of my builds are going to start. Castro and Tringale, without a doubt. First of all, Cameron Tringale and Castro fit my model perfectly. Tringale, top 10, top 15, everywhere everywhere so he can carry castro as long as castro can put shots together it's not even that castro's that bad 51st in my dance model 70th in my overall stat model which i i guess is pretty bad but in the recent form last 12 rounds castro's got 39th in the field and approach 42 off the tee and we saw him finish 18th at corrales which is most definitely a harder course than this one and when uh when castro was playing in 2016 made the cut made the cut in 2013 47th 48th Two missed cuts, two of four. I'll take this duo and the upside here. I will take the duo and the upside. Now, we don't see another players that I'm interested in until we get to Naismith and Chase Seifert. Again, one of those combinations where one golfer is way better than the other, and that's obviously Naismith over Seifert historically. But still, both are solid in approach. In the last 50 rounds, Seifert ranks 32nd in my approach model. 43rd in my last 50 rounds in my fairway and greens model. In the aggregate model, this is where it's key. Naismith and Seifert both rank in the top 30. Confidence model both rank in the top 35. Most definitely going to take this. Love them as a group. I hope their ownership comes in subdued way less. I don't think it will, though. But people do hate playing Naismith. They do, even when he's a great play. So we'll see. Next guys, Killer Keith Mitchell and Brant Snedeker. Okay, both these guys coming in at $7,400. Here's the thing. It's a P-Thai course. It's a short course in terms of like course style. We have seen both these guys do kind of well, both rank in the top 45. These guys are shots in the dark. I don't highly recommend extreme ownership on these two, but I think they're options. Uh... Give a shout-out to Maynard here. Sepp Straka and Josh Teeter. I'm sure he's super high on him. Listener to the show. Thanks, buddy. Um, in my aggregate model, both rank in the top 60. Of course, Teeter carries Straka because he's such a terrible putter, but it's not like Teeter's that much better. But where Teeter does excel is his scoring prowess. Last, uh, last 12 rounds ranks 25th. Overall, in the last 50 rounds ranks 37th. Here's the thing. 
Straka's approach game has been off. So people aren't going to be on him because of that. But he is making cuts. 59th at the RBC Heritage, 67th at the Valero, 9th at Corrales, while you had Teeter, 34th at Corrales last time we saw him. So I'm going to go back to them. Um, I think they're just a great viable option here. Next, 6,800, Tyler Duncan and Adam Shank. Would I ever normally endorse these guys? No, I wouldn't. But at 6,800, both ranking in the top 55 in my confidence model, I like the balance here, and I'll take it. Are they going to win? They can. Will they win? I don't know. But I'll love it if they finish top five. Tyler Duncan, a bit of a putting problem. So we have that to manage, but the thing that I like to see is both are solid on approach. Never have played here when it was a singles tournament, and we're coming off some very really suspect recent form. But again, you got to take into account of randomness and how easy this course is that you just never really know who's going to win. All right, so rounding out that 6K range, we got 6,500, 6,400, two 6,300 duos, and one 6,100 duo. The first one, I think they're going to be very popular is Roger Sloan and Badly. The thing is, Roger Sloan looks good. Like, he fits this course really well. Like, top 15 in my overall stat model, top 30 in my aggregate model, currently top 50 in the dance model. Vegas isn't giving them a shot. I get that. But, again, this is an easy course. They can compete. You want to get different. You want to avoid some of the chalky plays because people are going to play names. Like People are actually going to play Duffner because he's a name down here. People are going to play Vegas because he's a name down here. And and I just have no interest in going that, going that route. So the next time I'm going to actually go to would be Higgs and Gellerman. Um, and then following that, Hogue and Roach. And, of course, Lebiota and Bronson Bagroon. Bronson Magoon and Hank Lebiota at 6300 seem like kind of a steal. Like these are names that we often look at on a week-to-week basis. Obviously, they're very volatile. I mean, between the the two of them, it's two out of six cuts in the last six tournaments. Okay, but I like how they com- compromise, or I'm sorry, contrast each other. Like Bergoon can putt somewhat decently here, while. Lebiotis an elite approach player, so so it could help on those alternating shot days depending on how they, they set it up. Last two I'm gonna mention Sungun Bay and Danny Lee. Uh this is more of a gut call. Can't guarantee that it's it's gonna pay off, but still um I like the upside here, especially for Danny Lee. Um when you look historically, average finish of thirty-fifth from 2016 to 2012 when it wasn't a team event. So so there's a lot of course history here that says a lot of great things and that you should get them in your lineups. All right, let's take it home. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over the cut line. That's a wrap. Join us next week as we break down the Valspar. That'll be fun. Of course, want to give a special shout out and thank you to Fanshare Sports. Thank you, Fantasy National. Thank you, PGA Tour. But the biggest gratitude and most thanks go to you, the listener. Thank you for spending your precious time with us. I'm Michael Kevin Lunas at Lunas on Twitter. Make sure you check out CutlineGolf.com and all the resources we provide for PGA DFS. Hey, 
Sunday's yours. Go get them. Take one home. Change your avatar. Peace.